John 17, 6 to 26. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that we have a Saviour who not only taught us how to pray, but he also prays for us. Open our eyes and our hearts and help us to make sense of what Jesus prayed so that we could have a better understanding of the significance of his prayer for those who believe. In, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have you ever got picked on for what you look like or for uh, where you come from or for what you believe? Uh, it was summer 
in 2000, 2001, yeah, summer 2001, I was with a team of university students on a short-term mission trip to Thailand, to South Thailand. Uh, New Zealand must have done something wrong to upset Thailand. So the tourist visa we got upon arrival was only 30 days long. It used to be three months, but it was 30 days. But our mission trip was 42 days long. So what did we do? Uh, spent money to extend our tourist visa to make it three months long, or spend less money and do a day trip down south, cross the border into Malaysia, uh, do a day trip, um, do a bit of sightseeing, do a bit of uh, duty-free shopping for, um, to get gifts for our mission partners. Now, this, this is no-brainer, really. You just step across the border, step back into the border, and get a free visa. Another 30 days. Uh, sounds like a very simple plan, wasn't it? Only that we didn't realize the international impact from the 911 attack three months prior to, to that trip. When we walked on the street of Alor Sadar, that's the, the small city in North Malaysia, uh, we saw many people wearing T-shirts with Osama bin Laden's face printed on it. He was the one responsible for nearly 3,000 people's Dead. I think this just went dead. Uh, so he was responsible for 3,000 people's life that was taken across the United States. Yet the Malays treated him as their national hero. Uh, now, I've got this international Southeast Asian face, so I blend in wherever I go within Asia. People think I'm local. But being uh, with a team of uh, New Zealanders, the majority of our team members were uh, white, white Westerners. And Westerner, Westerner tourists don't usually travel to that side of Malaysia. And so we, we attracted unwanted attention very easily. And some people even came up to us uh, with a little bit of hostility, asking, you Americans? Well, convenient, conveniently, we, we, we wouldn't. So we just said, oh. No, 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 we, we, we're New Zealanders, we're from New Zealand. And suddenly the hostility was gone. New Zealand good, America bad. It was very shocking to, to, just to hear about that. Uh, it was quite a surprise of that immediate attitude shift. What's so not bad about New Zealand? Was it because New Zealand was seen as a, a sheep country full of little cute lambs? Uh, and New Zealand, uh, <laughs> New Zealand poses no threat of any kind to, to any countries uh, in the world. And so, is that, is that, or, or is that because New Zealand is no longer seen as a Christian country? And that's why they, they, they show no hostility to New Zealanders. What if the question they asked us was, you, are you Christians? Um, a little bit of context of where our passage fits in. Oh, this is, where am I? Control. Oh, that's good, thank you. 
uh, before and during this last meal Jesus had with his disciples. He told them multiple times that it will be hard for those who follow him because the world will hate them. The world will hate them because of Jesus. They, they will hate his followers for his name's sake. The world will hate them for who they follow and for what they believe. Knowing that he was going to go and the disciples were going to be left behind, Jesus prayed this prayer. And this special prayer was only recorded in John's Gospel. It was not mentioned in, in the other three Gospels. The other Gospels only, only mention about Jesus' private prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. But this prayer, Jesus prayed openly in front of his disciples before they crossed the Kidron Valley to go to the garden. So this prayer happened just before the garden. And so this prayer Jesus, this, this is a prayer Jesus intended for his disciples to hear. And this is a prayer Jesus wanted his disciples to remember and to be written down so that all the future believers could read, to hear this prayer. If you would jump down to verse 20 with me. Now Jesus said, my prayer is not for them, uh, them, that's, that's the disciples. My prayer is not for them alone, but for those who will believe in me through their messages. <coughs> and that's us and anyone who believes. It sounds like the first half of the prayer was only meant for the disciples. So does that mean the first half doesn't apply to us? Well, I think it's not wrong if you think that because there are certainly some elements that really don't apply to us. For example, verse 8, For I gave them the word you gave me, and they accepted them. Because of those words, Jesus said to them, they believed Jesus was sent from God. Uh, that word in verse 8 was different from the rest of the, the word in, in this prayer. Uh, this words in verse 8, uh, I looked up the dictionary, it's, it's the spoken word. So when Jesus says he gave them the words God gave him, and that's the particular words for particular individuals, those words were for the disciples. So we could say those particular words uh, the, uh, spoken to the disciples don't necessarily apply to us. But I do believe that this first half of prayer was, was also meant for us. Uh, without going too crazy about the translations, uh, let me just point out this, this word, word. So many words in this prayer, if you count them. Uh, when you see the word, word, in John's Gospel, uh, it's usually used to describe Jesus himself as the word. Or it's referring to the communicated word from God, uh, the script, scripture, which is God's law, God's word. Uh, it's usually quite straightforward. You can pretty much figure it out by looking at the context, context, the sentence itself, or the context around. And if you jump down to verse 20 again, Jesus prays also for those who would believe in him through their message. 
that message is actually the same word as word. Uh, so the message of the disciples, the words, the transmitted words of the disciples, that's the gospel. Um, and of that, Jesus also prayed for the same unity for those future believers. So by implication, those future believers, maybe it's us or maybe someone else, will also face the same hatred from the world, sorry, from the world, because they believed in the same word, because they follow the same Jesus. So we would face the same, same kind of hostility. So for this reason, I think the whole prayer is not only for the disciples, but it's also meant for, for us. Um, also meant to be an encouragement and comfort for us and for anyone who believes. So just what did Jesus pray? Uh, firstly, Jesus prays that his disciples will be protected by the power of God's name. I assume most of us here hold at least one passport, maybe two or three, if you're like me, or maybe, maybe 10 or 20 if you're a spy. Uh, for those of us who hold a British passport, have you ever looked at what's on the inside page? Have you ever read what's on the inside? It took me at least 20 years before I started reading my New Zealand passport. And only when people told me about this, how special this page is. Uh, I couldn't find anyone with a new passport issued since King Charles's coronation. So any images I found online were the same as my, my old passport. It's under <coughs> Queen's name. So just bear with that. Now change the pronouns. Uh, but any newly issued passport would say, His Britannic Majesty's Secretary of, Secretary of State requested, requests and requires in the name of His Majesty all those whom it may concern to allow the bearer to pass freely without let or hindrance and to afford the bearer such assistance and protection as may be necessary. So there's power in the king's name. You see, if things go wrong in the country you travel to, as a British citizen, you were under the protection of the king's name, under the king's name. Um, when Taliban took over Afghanistan a few years back, or when the war broke out in Ukraine, or when a civil war in Sudan began to escalate, the UK government did the best they could to, to, eva to, to evacuate you, if you were there, and bring you back to the UK. But even with such a, a useful passport, there's no genuine guarantee of safety, according to the official government website. Just go to gov.uk and do a bit of search, you, 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 you see this phrase. You are responsible for your own personal safety. We do not have a general duty of care to British nationals abroad. That's a bit sad, really. Uh, I guess it's because the King of Great Britain is the King of Great Britain. He's got no jurisdiction outside of his own realm. So once you leave this country and go elsewhere, you're on your own. As Christians, it's a bit similar at the same time, but very different. You see, verse 
verses 13 and 14. We are citizens of God's kingdom, living in this world as foreigners. We are not of this world, yet we are still in this world. And Jesus prays in verse 15, It is not our time to be taken out of this world, which is hostile to Jesus' followers. But Jesus prays that God would protect them by the power of his name. That's verse 11. And to protect them from the evil one. Verse 15. The biggest difference, though, is that Jesus promised that he would come back to take us home. So when the time comes when we need to be extracted, we have a guaranteed passage, guaranteed safe passage home. <coughs> all because of the name that protects us. All, all the way back to John chapter 1, verse, verse 12. We read that, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And back to, to our chapter 17, verse 11. This name was given to Jesus. That's another way of saying that Jesus is God. So when you believed in Jesus' name, not only are you saved and, and became a child of God, but you also carry his name. He is our father. We are his children. We are protected by his name in this world that hates Jesus. Secondly, Jesus prays that they, the disciples, and the future believers would be sanctified by the truth and bring God glory through our unity. Actually, I change the topic a little bit, shift the unit, unity bit to, to the third point. Uh, so they will be sanctified by the truth. Uh, verse 17, Jesus prays and asks God to sanctify his disciples. <coughs> to, be, to be sanctified means to be set apart as holy, to be declared holy. To sanctify something is to declare something as holy uh, means that this, this thing is now different from the rest. This thing is now special. It's a unique, it has a unique purpose now. So Jesus prays that God would sanctify them. God would cause the sanctification to happen to them. How, how is that? Uh, it's by the truth, by God's word. If you've, be, if you've been coming along to, to St. John's for a while, you're likely to be familiar with the, the problem we're currently facing within the Church of England. You might have heard Tom saying about that during the morning services or in the, the prayer meetings. And what's, what's the fuss? Essentially, many leaders within the Church of England <coughs> wants to start blessing same-sex marriages. Please don't hear me wrong. I'm totally supporting churches to welcome anyone into the church. People from whatever backgrounds are welcomed into the church. But what the Church of England is trying to do though is to change the doctrine. To not only approve of something that the Bible says it was wrong, but, but 
they also try to endorse it with prayers of blessing. You see, truth is the quality or state of being true. That's the dictionary definition. Truth is something that doesn't change over time. It remains true. Uh, verse 17, again. God's word is truth. What God said was good and beautiful remains to be good and beautiful. What God displeases and warns us against, he wouldn't change it. He wouldn't change his mind today and say, they are now good and beautiful. So by twisting the truth and changing it, we make it untrue. Partial truth is not truth. A counterfeit note might look like a real note, but it is not. And you, you might be able to deceive people when you go do your shopping and pay them with fake money. But a fake money is a fake. You see, we mean to be sanctified by the truth, by, by God's word. We mean to be different, to be set apart. But when we reject truth, we're no longer set apart. We became like the world. Jesus said earlier during the meal in John 15, if you belong to the world, it will love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. So we're chosen, set apart out of this world. So how do we know the truth then? How do you know what is true? Well, we could read God's word. You could listen to God's word. Uh, we could study it. But most importantly, the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. Jesus has given his Holy Spirit to those who believe. And with the Holy Spirit living in you, he will continue to be a witness for Christ, to convict people of their sins, and to pointing people to the truth. Uh, lastly, Jesus prays that our oneness will be our witness. Jesus prays in verse 21 that all of them may be one. Verse 22, that they may be one as we are one. In verse 23, that they may be brought to complete unity. Why does Jesus pray this? Uh, verse 21, so that the world may believe. In verse 23, that the world will know. When we have unity, we make Jesus known to the world. People get to see what kind of love God has for us. How cool is that? Our oneness shows the world that it is like, what, what it is like to have a relationship with God. Our oneness shows the world what it means to know God, what it means to have, a, to have eternal life. Uh, the question is, how can we have this unity? Uh, look, look with me at the wording of verse 21. That all of them may be one, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us. Uh, often we think, in terms of Christ in us, but it's so important that we, that we know we are also in Him. 
How do we know we are actually in God and in Jesus? John, the author of this gospel, he, he later wrote in a letter to, to um, new Christians in 1 John chapter 2. He says, Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. So you see, it really isn't that complicated, isn't it? If we are in him, we would, we would, we would have obeyed his word. If we are not in him, we wouldn't have obeyed his word. In another word, if people refuse to obey his word, then you know they are not in him. I remember about six months ago, when King Charles was crowned king, there were those people on the street chanting, not my king, not my king. Uh, many of them are actually British citizens, which is quite ironic. Uh, they hold the British passport. But they deny King Charles as their king. <coughs> My point is, if we claim to be Christians, for those of us who are Christians, we are part of God's kingdom, and we acknowledge Jesus Christ as our king. Even though we live in this world, our citizenship is in heaven. And as citizens of God's kingdom, we are representatives of that kingdom. We obey the laws of God's kingdom, which is God's word, which is truth. But if anyone goes around telling you contradicting things to what God says in his word, then they are essentially saying to God, you are not my king. In fact, the Bible teaches us to be careful not to associate with those who bring false teachings into the church. So please don't be discouraged if you can't have unity with someone who fundamentally believes in something that's totally different from what you believe. Uh, but please distinguish between unity and uniformity. Uh, for example, some Christians think they should all kneel when they pray, especially when they pray the prayer of confession. And some Christians think it's more respectful to, to God by coming to church fully dressed. Uh, those are all good things. But even if you come to the church in your flower shirt, in your full Hawaiian outfit, and maybe I really find you looking funny, it really doesn't matter. That won't affect our unity. You see what I mean? Uh, we can approach worship, music, church life, or even church government in various ways. We can still have unity despite different opinions on those secondary issues. As long as we are all, we all stick to the truth, and to and to be and be unified on the central doctrines of our faith. But we can't have unity with people who reject the truth. <coughs> Finally, this kind of complete unity Jesus describes in verse 23. Is it really achievable? Sometimes I'm a bit skeptical about that. But Jesus thinks it's achievable. He said earlier in John 15, 
He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And back to chapter 17, verses 22 and 23. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that, may, that they may be one as we are one. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. The question for us then, would we open our hearts and be receptive to the truth he continues to make known to us? Or would you reject it? <coughs> when we have the truth in us, as we remain in him, we bear fruit and bring glory to God. We bring glory to God by being one. And through our unity, we point people to a relationship with God and with Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. Let's have a moment of quiet, and I'll close us in prayer later. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus Christ, whom you glorified. Thank you for Jesus, who not only prayed for us then, but who's praying for us unceasingly, and who is ever with us through your Holy Spirit, who will never leave us nor forsake us. So we pray and ask you for the same thing Jesus willed for us and asked you on behalf of us in the prayer. Father, in the power of your name, protect us and protect all your people. In this world that is hostile to you, into your word. Father, sanctify us by the truth, by your word. We thank you for Jesus who has never stopped to make you known. Help us to grow in our knowledge of your truth, your word, so that we might know you better and love you more and obey your commands and to remain in you as Christ in us, so that we may be brought to complete unity. May your spirit cause us to bear much fruit, so that we might bring glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat>